All right, good morning again, and thank you for being here. Uh, I do like to start every time that I get a chance to teach with just a, a thanks to everybody who chose to be here on Sunday morning, especially on Super Bowl Sunday. I know that many of us probably have plans, parties to, to prepare for, and um, choosing to be here as opposed to anywhere else on a Sunday morning is a, is a commitment uh, to God. It's a commitment to this body, and it's a commitment to this class. And uh, I know that I am just so grateful that you're here. Uh, my wife and I have found that the, the, the times that our faith is the strongest is when we are here with our brothers and sisters. Um, so again, I just want to say thank you for being here. I think it's so important that, that you're here today and uh, here to study. So the video, uh, as all of them, is so wonderful, and it completely reinvigorated, I guess, my idea of, of what this word means, right? When I think of peace, I think usually of the absence of conflict, right? Which is probably what most of us tend to think about. Uh, you know, my wife and I aren't parents yet, but maybe those of you who are parents and you think about the word peace, you think of your children not fighting, or you think of your children finally being asleep and hopefully not, hopefully not waking back up. Um, you long for this moment, right, of calm, of, of the lack of conflict, and, and, and it, that drives so much of how we, how we see and view this word. You know, so much of our headlines are driven by, you know, will there be peace in the Middle East and, and all these other things. And, and, and the video we watched about, you know, world peace, that's the thing that everyone needs. But biblical peace is so much bigger than just lacking conflict, right? We spent several weeks working through sin, transgression, and then ultimately iniquity which I think we uh, came to a determination that iniquity really is the broken state of the world. It's a bent world as a result of the transgression and sin that we bring into it, right? So what peace is, as described in the Bible, is taking that bent shape and straightening it out, making it whole, fixing it. It, uh, it speaks to uh, the relationship God has with us, and it speaks to the relationship we have with people. Uh, in John 14, 27, um, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I like this idea that not as the world gives to you, but my peace is something different. It's something more full and powerful. Colossians 1, 19 through 20 says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. So one of the things that I think we need to think about here, uh, and I'm so guilty of this, I can be very self-centered even when it comes to Jesus' sacrifice, and I think about, oh, this is, you know, my sin was covered, I'm sinful, Jesus saved me so that I can, can go to heaven, and, and it's very I-me-focused, right? But the world, uh, through human sin, was bent, broken, and Jesus, through his blood, 
made peace for all of the world. It is a completely transformative uh, process that we get to be involved with. One writer put it this way, uh, this word peace or shalom, its, experienced, its experience is multidimensional, its complete well-being. It's physical, psychological, social, and spiritual. It flows from all of one's relationships being put right with God, within oneself, and with others. I'm going to run through um, kind of a series of, of verses here. Uh, we won't stop to read them um, just based on time, but... It says that shalom becomes an especially prominent theme in prophetic literature. And if you think about why that is, look at the, the experience of, of the people of God uh, constantly disobeying uh, through their kings, through their leaders, just through their daily lives. And so much like we uh, experience a bent and broken world through our own sin, the people of Israel did the same. And what it took for them was to have prophets to come and say, this is going to be made right. God is going to put this right. Uh, the prophets explain that the invasions and exile uh, is, is the loss of shalom. It's a curse on Israel uh, for breaking the covenant and as a punishment for disobedience. And you can see this in Isaiah 48, 18 and Jeremiah 14 and Micah. Uh, but they also point into a future, uh, to a coming time of complete shalom, not only for Israel, but for the whole world. It's important to note that only God is able to create this idea of peace, of shalom. Um, and this gift comes through the work of Messiah, who's been called the Prince of Peace. Uh, therefore, and I think this is just something I never really thought about before, that peace, shalom, is the most basic characteristic of the future kingdom of God right? We talk about longing, just deeply desiring God's kingdom. Uh, we pray for God's will to be done and for his kingdom to come. But what we're really asking for is for all the brokenness, all the, all the hurt to go away. We want to be made whole. Um, when the angels tell the shepherds about the birth of Christ, they call him the one who will at last bring peace on earth. That's Luke 2.14. Jesus is the prince of peace who will bring in God's kingdom of peace that the prophets foretold. The gospel of Jesus is known as the gospel of peace. Uh, so an important note is that God is reconciling all things to himself through Christ. And although yet not everything has been put right, those who believe in the gospel enter into and experience this reconciliation. I try to think about it in terms of, of my life. And again, it's, it's easy to be self-centered, but uh, the lives that we live before we experience Christ and before we experience that, that forgiveness that comes through only his blood is one of a broken, bent life. Uh, you know, I don't have the most uh, exciting uh, conversion story like many of you probably. I, I grew up in the church. I was baptized at a fairly young age. Um, I don't know that I faced my biggest struggles in life until after I was baptized. Um, but I have sat in this room where you are now and listened. Um, we had a very great series several years ago where people shared their stories. and. Um, I listen to the stories of people who uh, maybe abused pornography or abused drugs or uh, any number of other uh, you know, ills that just destroy a person's life. 
and have heard you know, the compelling power of what uh, their conversion to Christ did and how it changed, how it made them whole. Um, and I, I think this is the piece that we're talking about. We're not talking about as, as much as it might be nice to have your children not fighting with each other or them quiet and so you can finally sit down and watch that Netflix show you've been waiting to watch. We're talking about a transformative power in your life that takes you from brokenness, that takes you from hurt to uh, the wholeness that only exists in God. Uh, Jesus brings peace, uh, brings us the peace of God, um, but it's a peace that we have within ourselves. The peace of God, it says, it garrisons our hearts against anxiety, difficulties, and sorrows. It is possible to have a peace so deep that we can be content in any circumstance, even in times of great difficulty. The peace of Christ is also closely related to joy. So I want to take a step back for a second, and, and Philippians 4, 12 through 13 talks about being content in any circumstance, even in times of great difficulty. And I, I think some of the, the news of today and just what uh, we all have going on in our lives, um, you know, this is a very open class, and I appreciate that. Uh, I think this is a class that shares its sorrows with one another. Um, you know... Uh, I am not ashamed to say that I have shed tears in this classroom on more than one occasion because of what was being shared. Um, we come together to share our sorrows, but what's so important to me and what I have seen from this class particularly is that it's not just about commiserating with the sorrows. Those sorrows are shared because we do believe that we have peace, we have wholeness, we have fulfillment in Christ, no matter the circumstances. You know, I have not been put to the test in ways that some of my brothers and sisters here have been, but I want you to know that those of you who have shared those moments has, have, have, has lived with me, and I go home and I go to a place where I think, if I ever suffer the way that these people have suffered, I want to be them. You know, I want to be Dudley. I want to be David. I want to be any of you in here who have shared your hearts and have shared that resolve. And so, you know, this is not just a lesson about, you know, here's some words. They're good words. We should know them. This is a lesson about the lives we're living, about the sorrow we're going to have, but about our ability to find peace and wholeness through our, our faith and our belief. Um, I'm going to come back to something in a second because of where this is going. I kind of wanted to, to kind of have a theme today, and, and I'll do it twice. Uh, again, like many of you, I grew up in church. Um, I grew up singing songs that, uh, you know, Brescian every now and then peppers in, but are, are not, you know, the Brescian specials. And, uh, you know, one reason that I love Highland so much is, is our, our song service. I have never felt so much joy singing. Um, but, you know, as, as I've grown older and, uh, you know, really thought about this acapella tradition that the Churches of Christ have and, and the... Uh, the importance of, of, of the, the lyrics, the importance of the words we're raising to God. 
Uh, it made me think of a song that I think we all probably know very well, um, but the song, It Is Well With My Soul. And you know, that is such a profound song. And, and if you don't know the story, and I imagine many of you do, um, but it was written in 1873 by a man named Horatio uh, Spafford, who lost uh, his son and four daughters in two separate tragedies about two or three years apart. Um, he lost his son in a fire and lost four daughters in, in a ship that, that sunk. And, you know, I, again, I don't have children, but I cannot imagine just the, the horror, the, the anguish of losing um, people you love just like that so quickly. Um, but, you know, he sat down and, and, and the story goes that he wrote these lyrics as his ship was actually passing by the place where his daughter's ship went down. And he wrote these lyrics. Um, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It says, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, it's nailed to the cross, I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. And it ends with, And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. A song in the night, O oh my soul. You know, I sang that song so many times growing up as a child. Um, it's a song I like to sing. But I, you know, until I knew the story, and then even until I'm, you know, kind of the age I am now, I feel like it takes us some time to really understand loss. It takes us some time to see uh, others go through it, to have ourselves experience it. And reading these lyrics uh, written by a man of God who is enduring the most horrific tragedy a person <coughs> could experience. This is the meaning of the word peace. This is the type of peace that we're talking about that is only available to you and I through Jesus Christ. You can't get it any other way. You know, I, I, I think back and, and, and I remember Eric uh, preaching um, about being with a brother in the hospital who said, how do people who don't have a church family get through this? They don't. They don't. They have traumas that they're going to live with the rest of their lives. And we might too, but there's something different that we can experience uh, through the peace that, that only Jesus can provide us. Uh, this is a little uh, off to the side of it, but I think it's so important. Um, you know, this is February. We're, uh, probably in your children's schools, they're going to talk a lot about Black History Month. Um, and rightly so, and you're going to have your children and, and probably just, you know, on Facebook, you're going to maybe see some things that it's been a long time since you studied about them, or maybe your children will learn things that are new to them. Um, Jesus brings us peace with other human beings, 
And I, and I want to make this point because humanity has failed at it. Christians have failed at it. Christians still fail at it. We probably still fail at it without meaning to. But Jesus brings us peace with other human beings. Our peace, uh, our peace with and from God gives us the resources to maintain unity and love with others through continual forgiveness and patience. Christ is our, is our peace, and by his death on the cross, he removes even the high racial and cultural barriers that divide us. I think this is important, and I am going to have to speed along because I'm getting a little bit behind. But I want to read Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 11 through 22. Um, I think this is just a point that's important, and I want us to understand that the, the types of issues that we deal with today here in Memphis, in the United States, across the world, are the same issues that, that brothers and sisters in Christ many, many years ago wrestled with, and the Bible speaks to. Uh, so starting in verse 11, Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I just want to make this point very quickly. I don't think it necessarily uh, needs to be made in this classroom, but it's something I think we should all carry with us when we go everywhere. There is no excuse at any time ever for seeing ourselves as better than anyone else, whether it's their gender, their race, their culture, anything about them. Jesus Christ died to bring peace between man and God and between men themselves. That peace that Jesus Christ brought us meant that we are one. All people who are united in Christ are one. There is no distinction between us. And, um, you know, it, it's tough. We see it, it, it throughout society. We are living in a divided time. Uh, and I know that the United States and our, our country has been divided before and will be divided again. But we are living in a divided time. We are coming up on an election season. But what everyone needs to know and, and take with us is that Jesus Christ died to bring peace between us and God and between us and the rest of mankind. And if we insert our opinions, beliefs in a way that separates us from people who Jesus brought together, we are, we are, <laughs> we are not respecting the sacrifice of Jesus. We're going to jump on to the next video really quickly. Um, let's see if I can pause this.
making a future that's better than the present. You might be giddy or excited. Got one more slide after this. I'll let you know. All right. Um, as I said about the other video, this was a game changer for me. Uh, I, I don't, you know, tally how many times I use words every week. I'm sure my wife could tell you which words I overuse. Um, but I'm sure I say hope a lot. You know, I, I hope the Colorado Rockies will be good this year. They won't. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I hope a lot of things. Um, but what I'm really saying is I'm cautiously optimistic about things happening. And so I want to ask you if you'll do something with me this week. I'm going to ask if you will try to consciously think about this word hope and think about using it this week and try to just think about any time that you might say hope, you know, switch that out with, I'm optimistic that this might happen or I'd like this to happen because the word hope as described in the Bible, it's not optimism about your circumstances. It's not. It's assurance based on a person. Um, Isaiah 40, 31 says, Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who kavah, who wait, who hope for the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know, that's a verse that we've all probably memorized at some point, know very well. But when I think about it in terms of that word, hope means wait. You're waiting for something that you know is going to happen. This is different from optimism. Like I said, I am cautiously optimistic that maybe my team will be better this year than they were last year. You know, unfortunately, I'm a Tennessee fan, a fan of Colorado sports. And it doesn't happen very often, you know? Um, I must be an optimistic person because I, I watch every season with renewed vigor for about half of it. And then, you know, I find other things to do. Our modern understanding of hope is a desire that may or may not be realized. That is not what hope is. That's not what God has shown us that hope is through scripture. The hope we have is something sure. It's something we know is coming and we have to patiently wait for. That word LPs is, it means it's a strong and confident expectation. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's not, I feel good about it. It's not, I'm really, really thinking that this might work out. I really want it, I wish it to work out. It's assurance and it's conviction. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone, forever, as a, has gone on as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, 
He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, this is connected to peace because the hope, that assurance, that conviction we have in our eventual resurrection from the dead, in our uh, salvation from our sin, it's steadfast, it's sure, and it brings us peace. It brings us the peace that God is talking about in the Bible, a peace that's everlasting, a peace that can't be broken by bad circumstances. I said I was going to talk about uh, hymns that we grew up singing. Uh, This made me think of the song, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking stand. I like that later it says his oath, his covenant, his blood, they support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. Kyle, would you advance the the slide for me? I just wanted to end with this. Um, You're not going to know who this is, and that's okay. Um, My... uh, One of my childhood best friends that I grew up going to church with, his uh, father passed away unexpectedly on Wednesday. Um, He was 60 years old, and it was shocking. You know, I knew he had uh, multiple sclerosis and was receiving some treatments, but by all account, things were going well. Um, His daughter had talked to him a couple hours earlier, and he said he felt great. He died. You know, my mom called me to tell me, you know, I hadn't seen them in several years, um, but I immediately had these flashbacks to being eight years old at their house. And uh, I had strict parents, so we weren't allowed to watch Cool Runnings, but I watched at his house. (laughs) (laughs) That that John Candy, you know, uh, I think I first saw Star Trek Deep Space Nine at their house and became my favorite Star Trek. Uh, you know, I started thinking about my friend. I started thinking about that loss. And you know, uh, their father hadn't been gone, I think two or three hours. When she posted, my dad took his first breath in heaven today, please pray for my family. This was very unexpected. This hurts. Please pray for my mom. They've been together forever. They started dating when they were 14 years old. They're 60. Please pray about the hard steps that are ahead for all of us. I know, I know that my dad is with Jesus and that we will see him again. I know, okay? This, this is the hope that we're talking about. This is the peace we're talking about. Okay. It doesn't matter your circumstances. Your circumstances, they can't affect it. Okay. I know that he's with Jesus. I know we're going to see him again.
These are radical, bold words. Peace, hope. Do not let the world's modern interpretations of these words change their meaning for you. Because I want you to know, if you're here today and you have been baptized into Christ, you have peace and you have hope. It's an assurance. It's a conviction. It is a complete fulfillment and wholeness made where brokenness existed before. And you have that. Uh, and I'm just so grateful that I get to be here and share that relationship with all of you today. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, man. Anybody else want to do announcements? Uh, that was great.